following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we are grateful that you have brought us together uh, this morning. We're thankful for your presence here with us. We ask, Lord, that your spirit would move among us, move on our hearts as we turn our attention to your word. And may your word come alive to us. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so it's the Sunday before Christmas. I don't know if you're aware of that. I say that with great relief, personally. Um, So uh, that means as far as the sermon goes, we're back in 2 Peter. (laughs) So you're welcome. We're actually concluding 2 Peter this morning. Um, And this is is the last of Peter's recorded works. So we have to move on to a different, uh, different author. Uh, very soon. So, um, so you can turn to Second Peter chapter three. We're going to look at verses fourteen through eighteen, and that's page one o one nine in the pew Bibles. So today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, um, the season of preparation for celebrating the birth of Christ, uh, the incarnation, God putting on flesh uh, and dwelling among us. And I want to thank all the kids that uh, did the readings and lit the candles. Uh, it's been such a blessing to our to our family, um, our church family, to to have you guys participating, um, and uh, just I love that. Um, and Christmas Eve service, we're going to light the last candle. Every week, I uh, actually from the second Sunday on, I'm thinking, I'm sitting over here thinking. Don't light the white one. Don't light the white one. Don't light the white one. <laughs> We're going to do that Christmas Eve, so I invite you all to um, to come and celebrate with us uh, as we do that. Yeah. <laughs> My prayer was answered. Yeah. So the light one's still not lit. Um, so traditionally, each of the four, four Sundays of Advent has a particular theme. Each one of the scriptures that was read um, uh, corresponds. And I say traditionally, because there is no command in Scripture at all for us to, um, uh, that, t- that tells the church to focus on these four themes of Advent um, or to celebrate Advent at all or Christmas. Uh, there's no command in Scripture to do those things. But we, we do it because it's helpful, uh, not because we're a slave to it or slave to tradition, as far as I'm aware, um, but... Uh, it's, it's helpful for us. It's helpful to focus on these themes. Um, and the four themes of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. And each one of those scriptures corresponded to, um, to each one of those themes. And their order sometimes gets shuffled around, and, um, and sometimes peace gets swapped out for preparation. Again, like I said, it's traditionally uh, so that should mean it's fairly flexible. It doesn't always. Thankfully for our church family, flexibility is, is not quite good enough. You have to be fluid. 
right? So that's my drum teacher once said to me, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Um, so anyway, um, there's no rules for uh, for these themes of Advent, so it really doesn't matter what, what order, but that's that's the traditional order. And oddly enough, these four themes, I told you this was going to be a sermon on Second Peter, not Christmas, but those four themes are present in these last verses of Second Peter, um, uh, which is a huge relief for me because this is, it's the Sunday before Christmas. Um, Christmas is next Saturday, and we're obviously all going to be over Christmas by next Sunday, so you know, we're going to want to move on. So let's turn to our text, 2 Peter 3, and look for these four themes. 2 Peter 3, 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the scripture this morning. So remembering some of the golden rules of Bible study, um, we can't start off a text with a therefore. Right? Our first word, therefore. We have to know what it is therefore. Right? What is the therefore therefore? Um, thank you for the courtesy laugh. Uh, so discovering what the therefore is therefore is as easy as easy as thinking back to last week uh, last week's text um, to see what Peter was referring to, um, and I'll spare you the pain and agony of trying to remember last week's sermon. Um, what was it about? Um, it was the coming of the day of the Lord, right? In preparation uh, for the return of Christ, the second advent, right? The second coming of Christ. Uh, so Peter says, therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these, meaning waiting for the return of Christ, return, waiting for the coming of the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells, since you are waiting, confidently expecting these things to happen, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish. What's the word that we use for confidently expecting something to happen? Hope. What's the first theme of Advent? Hope. Right? Not, it's not peace. Thankfully, they go in order uh, in our text here. The word is hope. Hope, the first theme of Advent. Well, hope is not a wish, right? We've talked about this, it seems like a million times. Hope is not a wish. Though we often use the word that way, as in, I hope I get an Xbox for Christmas, right? So it's just kind of wishful thinking. <laughs> Right. Um, I, I hope the Patriots win on Sunday. Well, they played Saturday so it, and they lost. So that was awful. 
That really kind of put a downer on this sermon. Hope is not a wish. Hope is confidently expecting God to do what he said he would do. Right? And when we count on God to do what he said he would do, our hope is never disappointed. God will never disappoint us when our hope is in him to do as he said. Not to do what we want him to do, but to do as he said he would do. Peter reminded us back in verse 1 of this chapter when he wrote, I'm stirring up your sincere way, your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord through your apostles. Confidently expecting Jesus to return because the prophets foretold it and Jesus promised it himself. That's our hope. God said it. We can count on it. The people living in great darkness, as Isaiah wrote, were looking forward in hope for the great light to shine. For them, it was the first advent of Jesus. For us, it's the second advent of Jesus. So hope is that first theme. The second theme of Advent, and the one that I struggle with the most personally, is peace. Peter wrote in verse 14, Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Now, the scholars are divided on who exactly it is that we are supposed to have peace with. Uh, That's important. Peace is not a one-sided thing. Christ's first advent made it possible for people to have peace with God. That's the most important peace. Peace with God. In fact, peace with God is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. There are millions of people who want peace with God but reject Christ. They will not have peace with God if they continue to reject him. Romans 5 chapter 1 uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, "Since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And certainly to be found um, by Jesus at his return, to be without spot or blemish, will be evidence of our peace with God. You don't get your sins washed away without faith in Christ. You don't get peace with God without faith in Christ. So to be without spot or blemish because of faith in Christ is to mean you have peace with God already. That's good news. But I don't think that's the kind of peace that Peter was talking about. John Calvin didn't think so either. He wrote, the word peace seems to be taken for a quiet state of conscience founded on hope and patient waiting. For as so few turn their attention to the judgment of Christ, hence it is that while they are carried headlong by their demanding and persistent lusts, they are at the same time in a state of anxiety. This peace, then, is the quietness of a peaceable soul which complies with the word of God. A quietness of a peaceable soul. Quietness of soul. Doesn't that sound good? Does that sound foreign? 
sometimes. Pretty hard to achieve. Sometimes impossible. And maybe it seems that way because the peace we're after has more to do with our desire to have a pleasant and quiet life. Right? Than it is that than than what it is that the Lord says will bring us real peace. We just we want the absence of conflict, right? I, I, you've seen the inspirational coffee mug, I'm sure, that says uh, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Christ. It makes for a good coffee mug. It's a great statement. Like Paul said, peace with God comes through faith in Jesus. But peace in our soul It comes from the very same thing. Faith in Jesus Christ. Because faith in Jesus is not merely believing that he exists. Right? It's not just agreeing with the facts. Faith in Jesus is trusting Jesus personally. Trusting that he did what was necessary to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross. But also... Trusting him to guide and direct our lives and the affairs of this world. That's the part we're a little shaky on, right? Am I? I'm the only one. You guys are good. Peter shows us that the source of this peace is the hope of Christ's return. Because Peter trusted him to do as he said he would do. And that same peace is available to us if we would trust Jesus to do as he said he would do. And he never said he was going to remove trouble from your life. He promised you trouble in your life. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. What he means is that no amount of trouble that you're facing, no challenge is greater than his ability to drag you through it, through the not hole backwards sometimes. But that's the peace that trusting Christ brings, is knowing that no matter how difficult the circumstances, that God is in control. We may not like our circumstances, We may not be happy about the challenges that we're facing or the losses that we feel. But we can still have peace. We can still have quietness of soul if, if we trust the Lord Jesus to do as he said he would do. To be with us even to the very end of the age. People say all the time, God won't give me more than I can handle. That's absolute garbage. It's not in the Bible. It's, and it's not true. God constantly gives us more than we can handle so that we will learn to trust him. That's it. That's the secret. When you realize that the circumstances you're facing are beyond your capacity and you say, Lord, I can't do this. You're right. The answer is you're right. You can't. You can't. But we can trust the Lord to bring us through, to be with us, 
to the very end of the age. He hasn't left us. He's right there. Hope and peace. And the third theme of Advent is joy. Joy. In the first Advent of Christ, the joy is found in the incarnation of Christ, right? God taking on flesh and dwelling among us. The joy was that Messiah had finally come. The prophecies foretold had finally come to pass, right? If you've been waiting for that, when it happens, you rejoice. And we often experience joy when what we have been waiting for finally happens. I can only imagine the joy that those folks who had so longed for Messiah to come experienced. And there he was as a baby in the manger, just as the prophets foretold, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, born of the line of David, just as the prophecies had foretold. But the joy that Peter alludes to is found in something that hasn't happened yet. We are looking forward to it in hope. We have peace knowing that it is coming and that God knows the day. But we can find joy in the fact that it hasn't happened yet. In the birth of Christ, they experienced joy because he came. We can experience joy because he hasn't come yet. Now, the day that he comes will be a day of joy for sure. But we can rejoice in every moment that he waits. Verse 15 says, Count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Not salvation to the people that Peter was writing to. They had salvation. They had faith in Christ. He's writing to the church. If you have faith in Christ, he doesn't mean the patience of the Lord means salvation for you. Not today. Because the Father has yet to send back the Son... Because Jesus hasn't returned to earth, that means that countless people still have the opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. And in that, we can rejoice. Every moment he waits, his family grows. As people come to faith in him. As Peter wrote back in verse 9 of the same chapter, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Every day the Lord waits. Thousands and thousands of people won't perish, but reach repentance. And that is cause for joy. We want, let's be honest, we want the Lord to come back so the trouble will stop, right? So we can see our lost loved ones, right? So that we don't have to worry about buying another tank of gas or paying the rent one more time, right? We want the trouble to stop. And when Jesus comes back, for those of us who have faith in Christ, yes, the trouble will stop. But the trouble will just begin for myriad people who don't know him. Each day the Lord waits means a thousand, thousands more people won't perish but reach repentance, and that is cause for joy. Joy based on peace, knowing that the Father is in control, and based on hope because we are confidently expecting him to do as he promised. 
And the fourth theme of Advent is love. Verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, of the four themes of Advent, I just stretch a little bit for this one. The love isn't in the beloved's in there. Peter loved Paul. He said so. But he recognized that some of the things that he wrote were difficult to understand. And after preaching through Paul's letters for like seven years, uh, yes, I concur with Peter. I can definitely resonate with that thought. But Peter's endorsement of Paul as a beloved brother um, or his wisdom or or endorsing Paul's writings in Scripture, that's not the love. That is found in our Advent theme. The first Advent showed the Father's love for mankind, as was read this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. as we look forward in hope to Christ's second advent and experience the peace of knowing that he is in control, that he has everything arranged and knows the day and the hour that he will send the sun back with a new heaven and a new earth. As we experience the joy of seeing many more come to faith in Jesus Christ because the father patiently waited one more day, we can express our love for him by growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I think every time I speak on love in any sermon, I say the same thing, that love is not a feeling. Love is not hearts and flowers. That's affection. Love is constantly, con- consciously choosing to prefer someone before yourself, to put someone else first. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love is an action, not a feeling. It's not a state of being. To even say that you're in love, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't match up at least with the Greek word. Agape. The ignorant and unstable twist the scriptures to their own destruction, says Peter. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We stay stable and don't get carried away into error when we grow in the knowledge of the way that he has chosen to reveal himself. When we grow in our knowledge of his word, the Bible. 
When we get to know our Bible, we learn what he commanded. And so we express our love for him by obeying him. But we can't know what he commanded if we won't read the book. This is the way that he has chosen to reveal himself. You're waiting for signs in the sky or, or the hair on the back of your neck to stand up or voices to whisper in your ear in the dark. That is not how he has chosen to reveal himself to us and to our age. This word is this book. And when we get to know it and obey him through it, what he commanded us to do, we express our love for him. We are doing as he commanded. Eva asked me this week what to do for Jesus for Christmas. What? It's his birthday, right? You get stuff for other people on their birthday. Do you buy stuff for other people on your birthday? What are you going to do for Jesus? I think it's these four things. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Just as Peter describes here. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how can we ever thank you enough for what you have done for us? How can we thank you enough for sending your son to die in our place on the cross? How can we thank you enough for giving us your spirit? to guide and direct and empower us? How can we thank you enough for your word that instructs us and encourages us and reminds us of who you are and what you've done? I think just by recognizing these truths and allowing them to change our lives. Father, may we truly appreciate what you have done this Advent season. May our focus be on these themes, hope, peace, joy, and love. For we do love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890. 